Momentum, helping men succeed in life. It is uh, great to have you here for this week's Momentum with uh, Tim and Des. Des, nice to have you here. Yeah, it could be studio. Here. Absolutely. Uh, we've got a very special guest this week uh, by the name of Ross Nancaro. We're going to find a bit more about Ross's story and what he's up to. But Ross, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be with you guys today. So, Ross, I guess before we launch into what you're currently doing, tell us a bit of background about yourself, who you are, your family, uh, and, and paint the picture for us a little bit as to what's led you up until this point. Yeah, good. Sure. I'm now almost 65. My goodness, that those years have gone quickly. Man, you're <laughs> young. <laughs> I came to faith when I was 25. I was married the same year. And my wife, Donna, is a beautiful woman of God. And um, she's a midwife and nurse. We have four children, uh, Jai, Daniel, uh, Caleb, and Katie. And they're all grown, of course, and uh, mostly left home now and in various professions and uh, all, yeah, all uh, thankfully walking with the Lord. Good. So you said you came to faith at 25. Tell us a little yep. bit about that, that story. How did that happen for you? Sure. I'd probably been stoned for about eight years. At that point, found myself in uh, maximum security remand centre in Western Australia. And I really hadn't spoken to Christians much. At eight-year-old, I think I'd concluded all religion was hypocrisy and uh, turned my back on anything to do with God yeah. and, of course, lived a pretty wild life. When I was 25, I was um, busted and in West Australia and put into remand. And for the first time in about eight years, I started to straighten out and thus some of the hard questions of life. What's life about? Where am I going? Is God real? Some of those sort of questions. Um, One day I picked up a Gideon Bible in my cell, smuggled it into my cell, you know, so no one had seen me reading it, and opened somewhere and started reading. And I read the words, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And I thought, that can't be right. You know, God's not that real. And... um, I thought, no, that's just wrong. So I kind of got mad, closed the Bible, threw it away, and um, continued on. Three days later, picked up the Bible again, again smuggled it into my room and opened it somewhere, started reading, and I found myself reading the exact same words. Wow. Asking mm. you shall receive, seeking your find, knock, and the door will be opened. And I guess I then looked, is that on every page? You know, I started to check. <laughs> I hadn't read the Bible before. <laughs> And for the first time in my life, I started to try to comprehend the reality of a God who was relational. Wow. And that, that was all the difference. Starting to try to imagine a God who cared, yeah. a God who was trying to get through to me, of all people, and why, why me? <laughs> and I said, wrestled with that, and wrestled with that for days, and just wrestled with who God is, and where I was before God, and I remembered, you know, going back to my upbringing, and um, I remembered hearing, you know, knowing or hearing of Jesus dying for the sins of the world. And this particular night, about three days after I picked up that Bible, I kind of wrestled with God all night, and uh, I remember saying early hours of the morning, God, I've heard Jesus died for the sins of the world, but I hardly even understand what that means. But I need what he did for me. I need that. Whatever that was, I need that. I want that for me. (laughs) And that was it. You know, I woke up the next morning and um, I knew without question that I was in relationship with God, Mm. that my sins were forgiven through Jesus. 
And that's all I knew. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need I to know. <laughs> I, that's right. And yeah. I hadn't spoken to somebody I would call a Bible-believing Christian to that point. Wow. But that's all I needed to know, and that was the beginning of my Christian journey. Wow. That's amazing. So, Ross, tell us a bit then about that journey, because we want to get on to the next part of where you actually went into ministry and, 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 and did a whole bunch of stuff. But tell us a bit about that walk for you then, because let's be honest, that that moment for a lot of people is is terrific. Like They have that incredible moment with the Lord, but then sometimes if if there's not the, you know, the right people around or we don't get locked into uh, you know, uh, church yeah. particularly, and, and a, or a men's group, and things like. Sometimes we can then find our, that walk is a real struggle, or we fall away. So, yeah. so tell us about the importance of that for you, and and how that happened. Then, what was your journey from there? I knew that life had changed; that had been turned on its head for me. Um, within a matter of months, um, my my wife actually came to visit me in the remand center, and I said to her. I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. His wow. name's Jesus. Hmm. And I asked her to marry me straight up. Not a very good place to be asking someone to marry <laughs> no, me. No, that's right. <laughs> but, Did she say uh, yes? <laughs> she, you know, she, she thought I was nuts, actually. Okay. Right that time. <laughs> yeah. But eventually she did say yes, and uh, we got married within a few months. And wow. probably six months later, we moved to Coffs Harbour, and we are in a church, great church there. Steve Rogers was the pastor, mm. and just a wonderful, grounded man of God, and he discipled us. He just mm. spoke about and lived life in front of us, yeah. you know, in just a great way, and that, that really encouraged us. Probably three years later, I was leading youth group and took the youth group to a Keith Green memorial concert. It was a video of Keith Green's wow. last concert. Wow. And of course, that concert was titled Jesus Commands Us to Go. And wow. um, I heard scriptures that night I'd never really read before. Yeah. I heard yeah. before. I must have read them, but I hadn't, they hadn't registered for me. Yeah. And I was challenged that night for people who had never heard the gospel, yeah. never heard about Jesus, never had an opportunity to hear. Yeah. And I, you know, raced home and we had a waterbed at the time, and I remember running in, jumping on the bed, nearly bounced my wife out the other side, you know. <laughs> honey, honey, wake up. We're going to be missionaries. Ah. Wow. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she was thrilled at that. <laughs> oh, she was thrilled, man. We had two babies and one on the way. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, she said something that kind of changed her life. She said, wait a minute, slow down, you know, get your feet back on the ground. Let's see yeah. what God's word has to say about this. Wow. Big wow. mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so we were three and a half years old as believers and uh, went to New Tribes Mission Bible College. And from there into missionary training and uh, became members of uh, New Tribes Mission Australia. So how did you support yourself during that time? Basically, the organization said, you raise your own support. And um, we didn't know what to do, so we actually had a garage sale and sold all of our furniture because we didn't have anything else. And um, we packed up and um, went to Bible college. One of the great stories of God's provision and part of the ethos of that organization was not to canvas for funds. Okay. If people asked your needs, fine. But if mm. they didn't, not to mm. you know, put pressure on or things like sure. that. We were there about a week and I remember um, going to the greengrocers and going sorry, to the shops and uh, put my card in the ATM and found there was no money in there. I thought we had money. Went home and told Donna, honey, there's nothing there. We've got no money. And so I got one of my kids' piggy banks 
and a little, and broke it open. And it was $7 and so many cents in one and two cent pieces in this. You know, that was a Saturday morning. On the Monday, um, there was a check in the mail for us for $500 from oh. somebody who was supporting us. Yeah. And I realized that that check had been put together and posted well before I even yeah. knew I had a need. Mm. You know, and yeah. God has continued to meet our needs just like that for 35 years now. And that, those testimonies, those milestone moments, mm. um, watershed moments, put us in great stead for what God led us into later. Okay. So let's beautifully segue into that, which is Every Daughter Matters. And this, I think, came out of something that happened for you in 2015. Tell us a bit about that journey. So I had worked with New Tribes Mission for 25 years. So when we resigned from there, my wife and I moved to India. And uh, in India, we were training church planters. And uh, we're in various parts of India, in Tamil Nadu, Connecticut, Andhra Pradesh, Maharashtra, Chhattisgarh, West Bengal, Sikkim, Nagaland, all over. And uh, my wife had a medical ministry in uh, Tamil Nadu. And it was there that we started to turn our eyes towards Nepal. Nepal had really opened up a few years before that to the gospel. And we started to think of what we could do in Nepal. We have 250 plus churches in Nepal established and, uh, and functioning. It was through that time that we started to hear the stories of trafficking and mm. many times we'd ask ourselves what can we do you know we're, but we're so busy and seriously we've been incredibly busy in the church planting uh, roles but we'd ask ourselves again and again as we'd hear harrowing stories and the numbers of women and girls being trafficked tell, tell and, us a uh, little bit about the numbers ross because sure. most people wouldn't understand the, the depths of the problem Nepal is a unique country, and um, 30% of the women are probably literate in Nepal. It's a very remote regions and towns and etc. like that. The girls are very pretty, but they're naive, and they're easily deceived, and the families with low education and poverty are also easily deceived. As a result, it's been a uh, hub for human trafficking, and currently, there are about 20,000 women and girls trafficked from Nepal into India every year. Mm. And that's an incredible number. That's mm. about 50 girls a day. So the girls, once they're across the border into India, they're trafficked into brothels around India itself or into Pakistan, Bangladesh, or the Middle East, and various places like that. We realized uh, a couple of years ago that we're actually perfectly positioned to do something about human trafficking. Again, it was one of those watershed moments. We'd been probably looking for the right partners, and we found that in Pastor Yuvaraj with an organization called ASIN, or the acronym is ASIN, ASISH, Social Service Nepal. ASISH means blessing. Okay. Blessing, Social Service Nepal. And he's been working in human trafficking for about 12 years. After a conversation with Pastor Yuvaraj, one day I... Did that again wrestle with God, you know, the conversation going back and forth and as if the Lord was saying, Ross, if you could do something, you would, right? Oh, yes, Lord, you know, like I'm just an ordinary guy, but I, I want to do something. I mean, this is a tragedy against humanity that took me to the place of saying, well, we must yes. <laughs> do something. And so we started Every Daughter Matters. And it's an arm in Australia to support uh, Sish Social Service Nepal. 
and the workers there. And through that, we've been able to establish booths along the border in busy bus parks. In each booth, we employ two counsellors who are uniquely trained and they have uh, the support of the local community leaders, the bus companies, the local police. And they literally get on the buses and they'll look for girls who are vulnerable or potential of being trafficked. And they'll ask them questions. Where are you going? Who are you travelling with? Questions like that, and they're, they're pretty attuned to what questions to ask. Mm. And they pretty quickly pick up on whether a girl is being trafficked or not. And a large part of our work, of course, is in uh, education. So if they suspect something is happening for a girl, they've got the police on speed dial, and they'll be educating her. We've got um, emergency shelter homes attached to each of the booths that we've got, so we can pull the girls out and put them into a home for a few days or a week or whatever, continue education about anti-trafficking and things like that. Mm. From there, and and literally it does rescue those girls. Each booth would average between 50, uh, sorry, between 30 and 50 girls a month that they intercept. Mm. So currently we're intercepting approximately between uh, 90 and 150 girls every single month. Mm. Wow. And that's... That's just tremendous. We're just so thankful that we can do that. Ross, if, if somebody listening right now would like to get involved in that, as in would like yep. to understand a bit more about what you do or perhaps even lend some support to what you do, what's the best way that they can get some information and maybe do that? Yeah, Tim, the, probably the best way is on our website. Uh, that's www.everydaughtermatters.org.au. And there's a bunch of information there on Every Daughter Matters and also options to sponsor a counsellor. You know, it, you know, a lot of people think of trafficking and they think it's too hard, it's too big, it's foreign, uh, it's a corrupt country or all of these other things. But you know what? It comes down to these girls. Yeah. And they're individuals. Mm. They're innocent. They're sweet girls. They really are. And uh, they've been deceived sometimes betrayed by family members or somebody else and, um, and then sold as if they're a commodity, mm. you know, and what they're forced to endure after that is unspeakable. Mm. There's a book called Rohita and it's really worth reading if anybody is interested in understanding human trafficking from Nepal. Rohita was a girl, a 16-year-old. Um, she was taken by another family, Nepali family, into India she woke up in a hospital and first thing that she realized was that they'd taken and harvested one of her kidneys. Wow. That's human trafficking. Yeah. And then she was sold to a brothel, you know, and, and uh, she'd had a baby. So of course the brothel owners took a baby and hold their child over the head to force these girls to uh, be with, dozens of men every day mm. and it's rape every single mm. day mm. every single week every single month until every year until these poor girls are literally worn out and cast aside but the thing is we can do something about it real men mm. honest men mm. men of god we can stand up we can make a difference we can say no more not on my watch mm. we can mm. just give our voice being aware of the problem of human trafficking and saying, I'm, I'm prepared just to say no and to be aware of the problem. Guys, if 
we did no more than that. <laughs> yeah. We would make a massive difference throughout this world. I'm a simple guy. I'm an ordinary bloke, seriously. <laughs> you know, I, I like football, I play golf, I go fishing with my mates, and I just love hanging out with guys. I'm a simple guy. But then I think, you know what? Even as an ordinary, everyday Joe, I get a chance to make a difference for humans. And it's a massive difference, and I'm so thankful for that. I suppose part of the challenge is that it's so far, like you said, it's so far away, it's so far removed, it's so, uh, like, we can't actually comprehend that this is happening, and, and it is hard for us to get our heads around that. So, yeah. uh, au. if you would like to investigate the website again and find yeah. out a bit more about that. But let's bring it back to right now. You talk about men's breakfast and things like that, mm. and, and let's talk about that sort of thing for a moment, because obviously... When, when you attend men's breakfast, so you, you might get up and speak and share the stories and things like that. Um, w- w- what do you think is working with men to equip them, empower them, excite them to, to, to mm. raise a standard, mm. to, to be a man that goes, you know what, yeah, I'm actually going to be one of these safe men. I'm going to prove that to my yeah. family first and then maybe do something radical and go overseas. You know what I mean? Like, What, what are your thoughts sure, on that? Sure, sure. You know, I, I love the journey of discipleship, and it's for it's for ordinary guys. It's for fishermen. It's for guys who love doing that. And that journey starts with us in saying, you know, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm going to be in relationship. I'm going to learn to be a good guy. I'm going to learn to be a good husband. I'm going to learn to be a good father. You know, I don't know that that comes naturally to too many men. Hmm. But um, I love encouraging men. I think men need to hear the stories of um, other ordinary guys doing well. Mm. And they need the encouragement. They need to know it's okay. You know, you, you will blow it. Don't, don't question <laughs> yeah. that. You will mm. blow it. Mm. <laughs> what you do when you blow it is going to count. Yeah. Every man hits the wall. When we hit the wall, where do we turn? Our special guest today has been Ross Nankaro, uh, everydaughtermatters.org.au, that website we mentioned before, if you'd like to check out some details of that and maybe consider supporting that incredible ministry, which is having incredible impact. Ross, we, we honor you and and uh, and just love your story and how you've got to where you are. And mm. and your life is a testimony to grace and, and love of God. And it's, it's just amazing. Mm. Well, thanks, guys. I do appreciate your encouragement. I really mm. do. It's wonderful to be able to share the goodness of God. He, he is good. You can trust him. Yeah. And uh, I love that thought. For more information, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org.